Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome, welcome to a special edition of the Life's a Botch Podcast. Yes, that's right. Featuring your boy, Highlight Real, a.k.a. the Prince of Botch. That's right. We are here today. And I got a special guest, a returning guest, a regular guest. You guys know his name. We don't even have to really say much about it, but I'm going to introduce him anyway, because we always introduce, and that's how we do it on here. My brother, Derek Myers, welcome back to the show, my friend. What's going on, bro? Ah, man, you know, same old, same old. We got yes, a, a real, real special episode lined up for you guys today. Uh, normally, not the normal format. Today is actually going to be a special edition show. This is a review episode. That's right. A review episode. We're going to start doing some creative stuff like that. We're going to do some review episodes. Probably going to review some WrestleManias, given, you know, the trash WrestleMania we got coming up this year. (laughs) Might as well just review some past WrestleManias that, you know, classic and valuable to my soul. You know what I mean? Some of my favorites of all time we're going to review in the future. So look out for some episodes like that. But... The first review of Life's a Botch podcast is going to actually be a review on something very, very special. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, there is a series on Viceland. If you do not know about it, I highly recommend that you check it out. Head to Viceland on YouTube. If you have it on demand, go over to Viceland on demand, and you can check out The Dark Side of the Ring. The Dark Side of the Ring actually is not new to me. But apparently, my brother Derek here is actually brand new to the series and did not know that this existed. Now that he knows, I'm pretty sure he's going to want to binge watch some of those other episodes, like the one with Macho Man and Elizabeth. That was a good one. Uh, The Von Erics was a good one. Fabulous Moolah was a good one with the way she was pimping women. Uh, (laughs) 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 Hence why they took the title of the Mule... what did they call that? The Fabulous Moolah Battle Royal for the women at WrestleMania? Uh, yeah. yeah. They kind of they killed that title after that whole, you know, Dark Side of the Ring special. Just saying. But it's all good. It's all good. That one might actually anger my boy Derek. I recommend he skip that one because when he sees the one with the black lady, you know, he's going to be upset at Moolah. And then he's going to be like, you know what? I never want to see her again. Kind of deal. Good uh, thing she's passed away, folks. Depending on her. I mean, you know, given her age, I, I can imagine... You know, <laughs> what's what? What's what? You know, we can't get too mad, you know. Besides, she's passed away anyway, so I can't get too mad. She passed away. Oh, no, Not no, really no. Mad. Death death doesn't death doesn't uh, remove that. Oh, it doesn't mm-hmm. remove? Oh, nah, well. you still get this heat, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you hear that, folks? Whether you're dead or alive. You're still going to get you some. You're still going to get these here grits. Yeah. Yes, that's right. That's that's a new terminology now. We're going to start saying grits. Thank you, Randy Orton. Thank you, yeah. Randy Orton, for using that in your promo. Grit. Grit and grit. That is now something we can officially hit people with. Like, yeah, you're going to get some of this grit right here, son. Yep. You're going to get it. You're going to get that grit on your face, son. That's what's up. But anyways, on a serious <laughs> note, let's talk about Dark Side of the Ring. This was season two's official start. And man, and talk about starting it off with a bang. They did a two-part series on the late, great, and to some controversial, depending on who's listening, Chris Benoit. Now, 
again, notice people, I did say they did this in two parts. So when the first part came, I did see it. I had heard about it. I knew it was coming. So I got around to watching it and I heard about how it was just pulling at your heartstrings and then it ended on a cliffhanging note. And then come to find out they had a part two. So my boy Derek tags me on, on Twitter and he's like, bro, did you know about this? And I'm like, yeah, I knew about it. I saw it. You ain't seen this yet? I was like, yo, that's my bad. I botched it, people. I botched it. I was supposed to tell Derek about it. And I had a botch on Life's a Botch. It's okay. That's what we do. So without further ado, when I text him, you know, he saw he saw part one. And much like me, he was hooked. He was like, wow, this was that was amazing. And I'm like, bro, do you want to review part one? Or do you want to wait until part two airs and just do it after both? And he's like, yeah, let's do the second part. And then we'll review it in whole because, you know, no sense in doing the cliffhanger. So I said, okay. Fair enough. Now, part two, to those who don't know, aired last night at 10 o'clock. And so, therefore, we are here right before you to review and talk about what stood out on the Chris Benoit Dark Side of the Ring special. So, Brother Derek, are you ready? Oh, yeah. Well, without further ado, let's get started. So, Derek, I'm actually gonna let you go first as the guest. Let's 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 talk about let's cover part one. Yeah. And talk to me about what stood out to you in part one the most. Oh man. Um you know what? I actually I remember when um when Eddie passed away that uh that special tribute that they did for him on Raw. Yeah, and you remember, you know how they're talking about the uh, interviews they were doing, just to not interviews, but the um, pieces that everyone did to thank Eddie and tell him that they loved him. Ed, uh, mm-hmm. Chris Benoit was the one that actually stood out the most to me when I was watching it live. Wow. Um, not that no one else was as genuine or whatever, but it was just something that was just like. Something about his um, his demeanor that just really stuck out to me with that, mm-hmm. um, and I mean we everyone knew they were really good friends, but that one just that that one stuck out, and mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know that I that that I really thought he was really going down a downward spiral after that. You could mm-hmm. tell little things, but it was it didn't it didn't feel as if he was actually going down. It just, you know, just in mourning, and uh, that was actually one that stuck. That part of part one stuck out to me the most because of me remembering how that time was. Because that was actually still when I was watching wrestling, so it was um, well faithfully, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man. That that uh that one got me. That one, that between that and the fact that they were saying that um, he he strangled, um, or suffocated, uh, Daniel, mm-hmm. I was under the impression that he put Daniel in a um in a crippled cross face and it just not like, almost like snapped him. Mm. Was that not what took place? To my understanding, it was something along the lines of like. 
almost like a suffocation kind of deal. Almost kind of similar like what he did to his wife, Nancy, but kind of in a more polite kind of way. I mean, they did mention there was like a a knife under the bed and some things like that. But I mean, he didn't, obviously it, it wasn't, it didn't seem to be as brutal as what it was to say himself or even his wife and what he did. So um, it wasn't the crippler crossface that he did. I don't recall. Yeah, I don't recall them saying it was a crippler crossface that I, I want to say it was kind of just like a basic suffocation. Really, in a way, I think all three of them pretty much ended up dying in a suffocating kind of way uh, versus, you know, anything <sighs> physically damaging. So, see, that's that's what confuses me, because that was that was why I thought they um, banned the move in WWE. Hmm. And then the that first is, time, the first time we saw it after that was I think Shawn Michaels doing it. Um, I think he did it at WrestleMania a few years later. I do, I do remember they banned the move for quite some time. They they actually banned a lot of his arsenal for a while. Like even with the triple German suplexes, those had gotten banned. But for whatever reason, what was interesting about that was Kurt Angle did them too. Yeah, and they. I think they allowed him to still do that. So that's what I found kind of strange because I was like, well, wait a minute, you're banning the move set, yet Kurt Angle was doing it at the same time while he was alive. Yeah. And he still seems to do it and nobody's saying anything. Yeah. You know? Uh, but then, I mean, Kurt Angle left the company in like 2006 and went to TNA. So it, it really wouldn't have mattered much anyway uh, because he would have just kept doing it in TNA, which yeah. I believe he was. So he was, he was. Yeah, so it, it kind of didn't matter in Kurt Angle's case, but I mean, he was still kind of there, fresh off of Chris Benoit's death, and I recall he was still doing that that move set. But yeah, it's 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 um, I don't know. I'm gonna have to go back and look at that. I might have to pull that up real quick and like reread the details of that particular part. Um. But in the meantime, as I pull that up, I would say what stood out to me, uh, the two things that stood out to me in that first part was the story of his wife, Nancy, and how it, it just, it was interesting to me, really, because there are some who, you know, and we'll, we'll get into that probably as we discuss part two. But there are some that really don't believe Benoit actually did what he did. Now I do really? notice, yeah, and and here's 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 something that to take and notice that that they they covered and then they didn't really mention anything. Because what I found interesting was I never really knew about how Chris Benoit and his wife Nancy met, mm-hmm. but come to find out, hence why pro wrestling still hasn't learned their lesson because they still seem to do this to this day. I don't know why you take people who are married in real life because even when you you watch the Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth special, you know, go back and watch that in season one. It's the first episode. You'll see what I'm talking about because the same thing happened with him and Elizabeth. Whenever you seem to put married wrestlers in real life in storylines, it never seems to work out. Like, that's why when I look at in current day with Rusev and Lana being married in real life. And then you have Bobby Lashley in that storyline where he was, you know, supposedly married to Lana and all that, that stuff never really adds up too well because Mm -mm. who's to say at some point, 
you know, Lana didn't possibly really cheat on Rusev with Lashley. We may not know that right Man. now. Um, it takes a special type of a guy to to be able to be in that type of storyline. I'm telling you, it, because it, it, it really, couldn't be me. It, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> based off the trend here. Honestly, I don't even think it could be me either, man, because you got to you got to think about it. I mean, it's like with storylines, you're doing real things in a Mm -hmm. way because you got to make it look that much more real. So, Mm -hmm. like, chances are if your wife's literally I mean, you saw it in part one when it mentioned Kevin Sullivan and how he, you know, because they was telling Nancy's story a little bit after Ben was and they were talking about how, you know, she revolutionized the business, which is very underrated because I, I didn't realize, I never really even knew that she was that impactful yeah. uh, as a woman to the business. So they did a great job explaining that because I, she was just as impactful, it seems, as Miss Elizabeth, you know, which is, mm-hmm. which is strange to me. I never really knew that. But um, the crazy part about all of that is the fact that her and Kevin Sullivan were together first. They had a, a marriage and it was believed that he was abusing her and eventually she leaves and, and and that's kind of how her and Benoit kind of form. But the seeds were planted way before when Kevin Sullivan, the booker decides to book himself, his wife and Chris Benoit in a storyline together to where he's like, yeah, my wife, AKA woman, she's going to fall for you and steal from me. And you just kind of set yourself up for that, you know, because if you really think about that scenario, would we even have Benoit, would he even really be dead to this day if that whole thing never happened? You know, if if Kevin Sullivan would have just been smart enough to not do that and, you know, I'm not saying they wouldn't have been divorced because that seems to happen a lot. In pro wrestling marriages, you know, it's it's rare that you come across. Maybe in today's age, that's probably the case. But back then, it was probably rare for. Yeah, yeah, yeah everybody was getting divorced from like the '80s and '90s, for for numerous different reasons. But you know, I'm not gonna sit there and say that they wouldn't have divorced. But maybe if Benoit had never been in that storyline with them. Maybe Nancy and Benoit never would have had feelings for each other. And, you know, it would have been a whole different story today. You know, who really knows? But that stood out to me. And then what really stood out to me even more was just, like you said, how close Benoit and Eddie actually were. Like, I knew they were close. I mean, from the WrestleMania 20 moment they had where they both were champions and confetti was falling. And more so just the fact that it was strange just to know that Benoit was that attached to Eddie to where it's like the moment he finds out about this man's death, he's just like, it's almost like he couldn't get over the fact that Eddie was no longer there, you know? And that stood out to me a lot because it was just like, you know, they mentioned he wasn't that religious of a person. And yet Eddie, who was, you know, was able to get through him. He was able to open up to Eddie, tell him a lot, tell him his life, what he's going through. And then Eddie was able to minister to him and actually 
gave him a Bible. You know what I mean? Like gave him an actual Bible and just, you know, and, and he cherished that, you know? So I thought to myself, um, as a believer myself, I kind of thought, well, okay, losing Eddie clearly shows that he was more attached to Eddie than he was in possibly trying to believe, you know? So maybe that was just a front for Eddie. I don't, I don't know, you know, cause it sounded like Eddie was working on him and working through him pretty well. So I figured, you know, okay, well, for somebody who probably started off not being religious, thanks to Eddie witnessing to him, you know, he was getting a little bit better with it. But uh, that didn't seem to be the case based off of how he just couldn't contain himself after Eddie's loss. And poor Chavo, because that guy, even in outside the wrestling ring, it's just amazing how it was like, well, Chavo was still here. Yep, but Chavo's not Eddie. So it's yeah. like, yeah. you know, like... Chavo couldn't seem to get the same opening into Benoit as Eddie could, you know? So it's just like, man, Chavo, in the ring, you can't get the same stardom as Eddie. And even off out, outside of the ring, man, like, you can't seem to get through to somebody who was a mutual friend. I mean, you guys were all on the road together. So it, it, it was crazy to find that out, man. But it, wow, just, just... Incredible story, man. I mean, just just looking back at, at the two. But, I mean, a lot of people really believe Kevin Sullivan actually had something to do with what went on. Like, all of what really? Benoit supposedly did is a cover-up. Yes, that that's, that's, a, that's a conspiracy theory for you right there. Again, there's no way of really telling. But if we transition to part two... It could be led to believe that Kevin Sullivan had something to do with that. Um, we'll go into detail about that. But just, you know, in the meantime, staying on part one for a sec, was there anything else that kind of intrigued you or had you just on the edge of your seat with like, wow, you know, what was it about this? Um, I think it was really just those two things because the, the, the wrestling part, you know, and I think I've told you this before. Chris Benoit and mm -hmm. Eddie are two of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Right. So the wrestling aspect, I think I pretty much knew most of that stuff. Um, um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know that. Um, I don't know, man. This this one just that one took me took me out. That one took me out because it was it was hard to to see all that stuff and and like mm -hmm. you know you just think like what what would his legacy be if he were still here yeah. you know um I don't know that yeah I, I that those are just those two things I mentioned earlier probably the the biggest things that stood out to me but. That was um. That was a rough one. It was, man, and I'm glad you mentioned that scenario about what it would be like if he was still here. Because I also kind of want to touch on that. I mean, given the fact that Eddie is the same case, I make that case for because even when we saw, you know, I like how they went into detail regarding how Eddie died as well. Oh, yeah, in yeah, there, see, and that I didn't um, really know and how childhood. Yeah, because a lot of people really didn't know the full details about Eddie's death. Like, they just knew it was, quote-unquote, heart disease. And 
the stuff about him having, like, when Vicky Guerrero was talking about the fact that he had constant overdoses and literally, like, overdosed three times to where yeah. I was I was wondering about that third time because when Vicky was like, man, I just, I just grabbed the kids and kept going after that third time, it was just like, man, that was like strike three for her. Yeah. I'm almost... We got to give props. I want to say really on both accounts of both from part one and part two, we really got to give props to both wives, yeah. you know, uh, to Nancy and to Vicky, yeah. you know, uh, even though Nancy also is no longer with us, you know, still just for the time she was there, she was there to comfort Vicky through her loss with Eddie and got her out of bed and got her out of that depression she was in. Um, and just Vicky with what she was dealing with before Eddie passed mm-hmm. and the fact that before he got himself clean, you know, the fact that he was overdosing on things. And I mean, to have two little girls, man, and just to deal with that, it just shows how strong you have to be, especially back then, how strong you have to be to be a wife of a wrestler, yeah. Yeah. you know, from back then. Um, and like I said, t- t- today's talent doesn't necessarily have the same issues because they're a lot more smart with how they take care of themselves and their actual athletes, you know what I mean? Like not to discredit eighties and nineties wrestlers cause they're athletic in their own way. But with today's talent, they're more literally, they, they, they have a background of like straight athleticism and then they're, you know, they're vegans. They're just doing all kinds of stuff to keep their bodies, you know, in order and just all kinds of things. But, you know, they're still the, you know, a wife of today still would have the issue of, Oh, well, they travel on the road all the time, but most of the talent of today kind of date each other. So it kind of, it kind of works because it's like, Oh, okay. Well, you're a wrestler. I'm a wrestler too. So we're both literally on the road and we travel together so we can still spend time together. And then when we're not on the road and we have off days, we can still spend time. But back then, you know, Vicky wasn't a wrestler and, from what we saw with Nancy, she was in the business, but it seems like once she got with Benoit, that kind of came to a halt. It seems like once uh, they had Daniel and, you know, David Benoit, of course, was there, Nancy seemed to just be playing housewife at that yeah. point. So she wasn't on the road with Benoit like that. So it was kind of like Vicky and, like I said, you have Vicky and Nancy just kind of being the two stay at home wives with the kids. And that, that to me is another key point about that first part that made me respect, you know, both women just in the strength that it took, you know, to, to endure what they went through. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so funny. You mentioned, you know, what would life be like if they were still here? Because I often wonder that myself because they mentioned with Benoit and Eddie Guerrero had the same problem as well. They were at a time where they were considered too short yeah. uh, to be top guys, right? And, you know, of course, they, they buffing themselves up to, to, to have the physical look, but they still had that issue of they were just too small, like in height-wise. And if they were still around today, obviously they would still, I'm sure, be in shape to wrestle because, you know... Eddie died in his 40s. I believe Benoit was in his 40s as well. So probably not in 2020. By now, they would have been probably about 60 at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, But 
very much so within the 2010s, I'm pretty sure they, they would have put on some phenomenal matches uh, at a time where WWE specifically wasn't really that great in the 2010s. I mean, like CM Punk was around. So a little bit after CM Punk, it kind of took a dive for a while. Um, but I mean, just to think about matches with the John Cena, CM Punk, uh, Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan, you know, just so many different... Yeah, you know, I mean, it's so many matches, you know, and, and even today with a Seth Rollins or Roman Reigns, you know, if they if they still felt to go, you know, if, if they still have one more match left in them to see a Seth Rollins or, or you know, uh, Adam Cole or somebody on the come up, you know, go against them and, you know, they put them over. Uh, in Eddie's case, I don't know, because, you know, when I look at Rey Mysterio, though, Rey Mysterio still looks good and he can still go. For a guy his age, so I mean, maybe if he can if he can still go, I'm sure somebody like Eddie could still go as well. So it's like, you know, um, in Benoit's case, maybe not because we've seen with Kurt Angle mm-hmm. what age does, mm-hmm. and I know Benoit did have some neck issues uh, in his career, so I think that would have caught up to him by now if he were still alive. But you know, Eddie Guerrero in his case. I think he still would have been able to go with uh, people like Del Rio. And, uh, of course, him and Ray would have relived a a classic rivalry they've always had. Um, I look at some of the Hispanic wrestlers now that WWE is trying to push, like uh, Angel Garza, who is very, very, very reminiscent of Eddie Guerrero. A lot of people compare him to Eddie right now because he's got charisma like Eddie. He's got good looks like Eddie, and he's like got that ladies' man feel to him like Eddie, and he's very athletic like Eddie. He's like a modern-day Eddie Guerrero. And then you got Humberto Carrillo, who's the cousin of Garza. People treat him like Chavo. They don't really too much care. You know, like, he's athletic, he's talented, but they don't really care for him. He just does, he seems bland. So, you know, he's, he's that. And then there's Andrade. Andrade is another guy who Eddie Guerrero probably would have had a phenomenal match with. So, I mean, thinking about it is is so crazy to just wonder what it would be like if they were here. But as far as with the legacies they've paved up to the point of their deaths, where would you rank them right now? Uh, Regardless, even, even though as Chris Jericho mentioned, when he said, you know, one has a legacy that's uplifted, Mm -hmm. And the other one has a legacy that's practically erased. Mm -hmm. Uh, But both of them nonetheless have a legacy. So, and they're both known as, you know, potential greatest of all times, you know, in a way. So where would you rank them in your, let's say Mount Rushmore, like what we do with the NBA. uh, What would you say your Mount Rushmore of professional wrestlers would be? Like, who would you put in your Mount Rushmore right now? Oh, man. Um, that's a good question. I know Eddie's definitely there. Eddie. Um. Yeah, Eddie's definitely there. Um. Let me say Eddie. Triple H. Triple H. Okay. Um. I'm probably gonna get grilled for saying this, but. Um, I'll say The Rock. Okay. All right. And oh man, 
maybe well i don't know it's tough i know i don't know um i want to put chris there so bad i really do it's but i'm trying to think of like you know like the other three guys influenced generations after Mm, okay okay and and i i can't think of anyone that chris benoit outside of jericho i can't see i can't think of anyone that um any other uh, like major superstars that chris benoit impacted hmm well you know now it's funny you mentioned eddie because i mean he he definitely impacts a lot of talents today because Again, going back to the Andrades, Humberto Carrillo, and, you know, uh, Angel Garza, you can tell they're all three of them are inspired by Eddie Guerrero. Also, we know that with the women, Sasha Banks makes it very clear that her favorite wrestler that she emulates and loves is Eddie Guerrero. So uh, some of her ring gear, I believe uh, WrestleMania, I think that was 33. The one in Dallas, uh, she... Her gear, when she came out with Snoop Dogg, her gear was inspired by Eddie Guerrero's uh, attire with the Latino flames and stuff like that. So you definitely can say Eddie definitely influenced a lot of generations of uh, of talent. So I, I can yeah. see that. We know The Rock has with his charisma. I mean, the, the way he talks on the mic, the way he, you know, people talk and want to talk like The Rock and, you know, this kind of stuff. So definitely that and... Triple H, I can see that. I, I can see um, where people were inspired by Triple H as well, especially now with what he does with the NXT talent. A lot of them kind of get a hands-on training from him in a way, so I can see where you would get that. Um, but with Chris, the only guy that I would think of outside of, like you said, Chris Jericho, because he emphasized how both Eddie and Chris Benoit inspired him coming up. So... I would argue and possibly say Daniel Bryan might be someone inspired by him because I can see that some of his moves uh, have been very Chris Benoit esque over the years. Like he's done, yeah. he's done a flying. I've seen him do flying headbutts. Yeah. I've seen him his his submission finisher, the Yes Lock. It's very reminiscent. It's very similar. It's a modified, yeah. Yeah, it's like a modified Crippler Crossface in a way. So you could argue and say he's been definitely influenced by him. And uh, I don't know who else you would throw in that category, man. That's the the part that's tricky because after his death and finding out about that, I don't know how many wrestlers actually wanted to emulate him at that point. Yeah, yeah. And and see, I think wrestling technique uh Chris Benoit is definitely up there but when you have to consider the entire package I'm not sure I'm not sure that Chris Benoit would be up there mm-hmm. um I don't know who I would put as my fourth to be completely honest I really don't what about uh um, Kurt Angle hmm There have been a many of people who were definitely influenced by him. I can yeah. I can definitely say that. Yeah. Especially because here's why I make a case for Kurt Angle for you at, based off of how your Mount Rushmore looks. Mm-hmm. 
Kurt Angle was an amateur wrestler mm-hmm. who at first didn't want to get into pro wrestling when it was offered to him because he looked at it as a joke. But then he watched what they did live and he wanted to actually get into it. So when he got into it, he was completely new with everything, but he caught on so quickly to how to really do what they do. He caught on to it so fast that he quickly rose up and became one of the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. So that's true. That's true. Given how he entered into the business and how many people he's, I mean, there's so many wrestlers, like I said, the Adam Coles, the um, <clears throat> Daniel Bryan, even uh, Shelton Benjamin, um, Shelton Benjamin, definitely. Yeah. Those guys, those guys yeah. were definitely Charlie Haas, um, Chad Gable, there are so many talents of today and present and past who will let you know, like Kurt Angle definitely inspired them to, you know, want to wrestle a technical style or just do what he does, man. So I could, I could, based off of how your Mount Rushmore looks, man, I could, I could make an argument. I mean, we, Kurt Angle doesn't exactly have the sweetest past either, but at least with him, it hasn't, at least so far, it hasn't resulted to anybody or himself dying for this matter. Like, he still has a reputation good enough where if you put him in your Mount Rushmore, people would be like, okay, I could see that, you know? Um, but That's I, a good argument. You know, so, yeah, you know. That's a good argument. A little something, little, little something to throw your way, man. Just, you know, because I, I know you were struggling with that fourth one, and I just was yeah. like, let me give him a, a, a nice little uh, throw you know, a little cyst right there and see what he would say on that one, you know? So I'll put him, I'll put him there. I'll put him there. Put him up there. Um, yeah. Cause that, that makes sense. That's, um, yeah. Yeah. It would have to be Kurt. <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It. Yeah. That's that to me, that's a pretty solid Mount Rushmore of, of all time greats. You know I mean? Uh, cause like, you know, you and me didn't really, it's kind of like the, like the NBA effect with, yeah. you know, like, Okay, well, why y'all ain't put like Wilt Chamberlain and all them in? It's like, well, we didn't grow up with them, you know what I'm saying? So we can't, yeah. you know, we barely grew up to see Jordan, you know, but we put him in because we know, like, yo, Jordan, the truth, even though we didn't grow up and see a lot of his games, we saw enough mm-hmm. of them. Came in on the tail end. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like we 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 can throw Jordan in our our Mount Rushmores versus a you know in, you know a Wilt Chamberlain and a Dr. J and all of them. So in the pro wrestling world, it's the same. It's like, well. What about Hulk Hogan? What about Andre the Giant? What about, you know, Iron Sheik, Rowdy Piper, you know, guys like that? And you're like, well, they're cool, but I didn't grow up with them. You know, like, I, 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 that... I think Hulk Hogan's a little bit overrated, too. <laughs> you know what? To be honest, I think he is. I... I never got the appeal. You know what? With him, it's it's that he was just the first, to my understanding and my knowledge, I think he's the first mainstream star as yeah. far as you know what i'm saying like bef- like yeah, to transcend the sport yeah because people people yeah. people argue that if he hadn't been the lead guy that he was you wouldn't have the rock you wouldn't have stone cold you wouldn't have john cena you wouldn't have you know any of those guys albeit one could argue that maybe the undertaker would have taken that place i don't really know 
his character wasn't built to be kid friendly like Hulk Hogan. So it's kind of one of those yeah. where he got adored in a different type of way. So I, I don't know. Hulk Hogan in the case of, hey, kids love him, families love him, Americans love him. So I, I guess I'm with you. He's To me, he's definitely overrated. I never cared for his moveset. I never cared yeah, for... Because the leg drop. The leg drop is the one thing that always got me. Like, how is that your finisher? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I just... That's... that's, that's that's a regular move. It's not it's nothing <laughs> special to it. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, but one could argue and say that's kind of like the rock with his uh, people's elbow. You know, I mean, people. Some people always felt like that was a yeah a dumb. Well, finisher. that was a, that that was also a setup too. It was, it was, but yeah, in I, a way, because he, he he was still the person would still get up and then he would do, finish him off with the rock bottom. Sometimes, sometimes he would. Sometimes but there were times yeah. where he literally did that move and it was a one, two, three, and you're like, wait. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So let me get yeah. this straight. I could just elbow a guy just like that and he's just gonna be knocked out, like for real. Yeah. You know? So I mean but 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 look at the uh the velocity of it, you know. I, I his his elbow coming down was a lot faster than Hulk Hogan's leg. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like Yeah, yeah, I can I can understand what you mean there. So that that's somewhat like the five knuckle shuffle too. That one was a oh, bit overrated too. Yeah, that was that was one of Cena's mostly overrated moves and it was like how yeah. in the world is that damaging <laughs> anyone right now? I don't know. But okay, you know, it, yeah. it is what it is, man. But you're right, man. That's that's a good that's a good Mount Rushmore there. And and so I had to ask that question because you know, I was listening to a few um, people kind of give their thoughts on part one. And, you know, people were talking about what they thought about Benoit and Eddie Guerrero's, like, rankings. Uh, because, again, Jericho highly praised them. We saw him highly praise both of them, talking about how the way they interpreted a match was so much different than other people. Um, yeah. They had a vision and could be two ten steps ahead of you without even thinking about it, you know. Yeah. And, and it was a complete so, story for them. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Like, it's it's amazing how their story completes, and yet is so opposite. Uh, as mm -hmm. far as one, you know, again going back to Jericho's comparison, one's glorified, and the other. It was glorified until details came out on what happened. And then at that point, now he's completely practically forgotten. It's like you can't say his name and, and in a way, you know, it's almost like it's a yeah. crime to say that. Um, yeah. Which I guess is a good transition to go into part two uh, at this point. So let's let's talk about the the real of the two. I mean, because part one was was amazing, definitely. But. Man, yeah. part two came. It it came. Yeah. And boy, did you feel that. Yeah, <laughs> so, it hit. It, so by all means, brother, what was, especially with you being fresh off of seeing it, <laughs> what was your standout moments of part two in this series? Uh I wanna s I guess I'll say more so how culpable WWE is to this entire thing. Mm, okay, do tell, brother. Do um, tell. When you don't uh screen people properly and and like that guy on there said, you know, he Benoit had 
extreme levels of testosterone in his system. You know mm. that that when you when you're you're quote unquote screening guys and you know when they're actually taking stuff that's actually harmful uh, or can be harmful down the road, you know you mm. do a disservice to that person, their family, and the product that you put out for the audience. Um, WWE wiped their hands of Chris so fast. Mm-hmm. I remember when when this whole thing happened going on their website and seeing so much with Chris Benoit and um, you know I think they even had some of his uh, merchandise um, they were pushing a lot of his merchandise I think for sale or something like that um, mm-hmm. and then as soon as details came out you go back on the web- the website, there was literally nothing mm-hmm. about Chris Benoit on there. Not one thing. And I was within, I think, a 24-hour frame between the um, between the tribute show and then uh, uh, Vince coming out with that um, that statement. It, it, it was, they wiped him clean off their hands. And mm-hmm. they, they do have some type of... Um, responsibility in this entire situation and the fact that they didn't even uh reach out to to his son uh david after this whole thing happened Mm -hmm. 13 years later you haven't reached out Mm -hmm. to him or um what's nancy's sister nicole Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you you haven't you haven't reached out to either one of them you know that that that's that's um that's low that's dirty, uh, like I when I when I when they said that, the respect that I have for WWE dropped tremendously, because no matter what Chris did, mm-hmm. you still go out and take care of his family, you know, because they didn't do that. It's not like they all, you know, had some secret meeting and was like, how do we, how do we kill these these people and you know, like, come on. I think that that part of it is is what disappointed me the most about um about that second part, um, mm. was just how how WWE could just walk away. Vince Vince says that you know he loves these guys like that, but you know if you're gonna actually have love for people and be loyal to them, um, taking care of them in, in time of need is definitely something you want to do. Just sending Jr to the funeral as a WWE representative doesn't do it. Yeah. You know, and that that I took that uh I took that one to heart. That that one kind of that hurt that they wouldn't even do that cuz I like I remember when when my fam- my friends uh passed away a few years ago like you know, was, whatever happened around the entire situation, like I'm I'm there, you know, like I was there for him and his family. You know, so it just I, I can't see anyone calling themselves loyal and family and doing and turning their backs like that. Mm, wow. Let me ask you this question then, brother. Did did that particular information, especially going back to the funeral with how JR was sent as a representative of WWE at that time, did it make you look at JR any differently? No, um, because I think he he genuinely did care 
Like I think he was he was there to represent the company, but I think he was also there because of his love for Chris and his family. Um mm-hmm. that that's what that's how I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um I think he is very un, uh very unbiased in his uh uh perspective um as well um throughout this whole entire second piece because he um he even said you know that they asked should he be a, a WWE Hall of Famer and said no <laughs> no he shouldn't be um and the reasons why he gave f- for that answer was pretty poignant as well saying you know that that if Chris was here and he realized how much of a distraction his in- induction to the Hall of Fame would be he wouldn't want it because it would take away from the business. So I I actually gained more respect for Jr. Watching this, mm-hmm. um, but I, I I think his I think his concern and and love for the family was genuine. I don't know that I can say the same thing about Vince. Yeah, good old Vince, man. We can uh we can definitely talk about Vince <laughs> a lot. Because that that seems to be a pattern mm-hmm. with him on a lot of things. Not even just the Chris Benoit situation, but just in general. Because it's it's like it, it almost seems kind of borderline two face in a way. You know, mm-hmm. like you gave the guy a tribute just like you did for Eddie, and then details come out, and I get it. You know, because it's it's a it's a halfway thing. I mean, given the details. Man, a man murders his wife and son, you know, and kills himself. Like, yeah, okay, I get it. You got to retract from that statement all of a sudden. You know, like JR said, they didn't know. The details weren't out. They just knew he had passed away. But, like you said, man, to wash your hands of the situation so quickly like that and say his name, you know, threaten talents to say, hey, you're no longer going to mention him in interviews and don't bring up his name and, even still to this day, that is very much the case. Because anytime I see a Randy Orton highlight and I see when he won the championship for the first time, mm-hmm. who was the man that he beat for that title? Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit. Mm-hmm. And they never show the man in the cutscene. If you do see him, you see him real briefly for about one click second. And mm-hmm. if you blink, you miss it. I guarantee it. No acknowledgement whatsoever. Yet if you were still living to this day, I guarantee you they'd mention I beat Chris Benoit to become the youngest world heavyweight champion in WWE history. Instead, it's more, I was the youngest world heavyweight champion in WWE history. Mm -hmm. Point blank, period. And so, (laughs) yeah, that is kind of two-faced by them to just, just, you know, like, (sighs) it's so tough, you know, because you're like, okay, well, wrestling-wise, you should glorify the man. But then I get it because WWE is so mainstream and public and all of that. You don't want to risk losing viewers because you're glorifying a murderer, per se. Yeah. I get it. But then this is where the Kevin Sullivan stuff comes in because sometimes it's just like, did it really happen? Are you sure? You know, because the media made frenzies and they didn't seem to want to blame it on anything but the use of PDs, the use of steroids, mm-hmm. roid rage, 
seemed to be the thing. And Vince was very quick to defend that. Mm-hmm. Looking at that interview, yeah, man, I'm looking at Vince and I'm like, yeah, you know, Benoit is not the only guy that does that. You know, Eddie was on that stuff yeah. too, you know. Yeah. You, you know that Angle has been on this stuff, mm-hmm. given what's happened with him currently to this day. I mean, almost half of your roster. And it's your fault, Vince, because you're the one. Yes, you. You're the one that likes a certain look. Mm-hmm. And you forced these guys back then to literally have to look a certain type of way. Oh, man. It's the model effect. Just like models feel like they have to starve themselves just to be a cover model, you know, and like literally can't be thick, plus size, thin slick. You know, they got to be completely skinny as a pencil, Yeah. you know, and it's forcing pressure on them to say, well, I really want the cover of that magazine, so I'm going to starve myself or I'm going to go anorexic and I'm, I'm whatever it takes to fit into a size two so I can be on the cover of that magazine. It's the same case with pro wrestlers back then. To be a top guy, oh, man, I don't have enough muscles, so I got to bulk up. I mean, we heard what they were talking about with Benoit. I mean, they mentioned that man had been taking him since 17. Yeah. That's that's a problem. 17, you know? And that bothers me. To I can't imagine being on something from 17 to the age of 40. Yeah. You have to imagine what that's doing to your body. It's like, which is another reason why I'm like, yeah, WWE, that's pretty two-faced to you. Because you tributed the man because of his in-ring capabilities. And those talents also know Dean Malenko made it it perfectly known. He said it. It's unforgivable what he did, yes. But I can't take away the fact that that was my friend. We had a lot of moments and memories in the ring and on the road. Mm-hmm. A lot of that talent was the same way, I'm sure. And clearly, as we'll go into the evidence, because this stuck out to me, was Christopher Nowinski, who yeah. was a representative of CTE because of the fact that he had to retire because of CTE. And the fact that once he said his side of the story, I really was like, yeah, WWE, you have no excuse on why you shouldn't acknowledge Benoit in some kind of way. Yeah. No excuse. Yeah. Because the media blamed CTE, and you want to say, no, that's not the case. Roid Rage doesn't cost you to do all of that for three days. Really? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Where's your proven fact of that, Vince? Where's the evidence of that, Vince? Please show me. Tell me, because we heard the stories about some of the football players and what they did. Mm -hmm. CTE, Mm -hmm. it's a real thing. It's not fake, people. Just go watch Concussion. Mm -hmm. Clearly, it's a real thing. Yeah. So, And a lot of them ended in suicide. My point, exactly. So you don't, you're going to tell me that you're not going to acknowledge a man. That did an unthinkable act. Yes, it's unforgivable. And yes, I get all of that part. But you're not going to acknowledge a man for his resume and what he did. The fact that he went on the road for you day after day. And in part one, we saw that he was very much a family man at that. Mm -hmm. So there were times he wanted to be with his kids and he didn't. Even when they were like, hey, you could have just asked to be off on those days. He didn't. 
because he wanted to give his body and give his life on the line for y'all on the road with the type of schedule that you give. Mm-hmm. Please tell me where you can't ign- like that's the type of stuff where it's like if I were a wrestler, would I really want to be in WWE after seeing that? No. After seeing mm-hmm. that, because it's like that's how you treat people that have you know. Because again, you can't take away the fact that man gave his complete all for you on the ring when you needed him to go in the ring and wrestle a match. Mm-hmm. Doggone it, he sure did it. Yeah. When you needed him on this tour, he was sure there with no problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? The man was just dealing with some things, and then like you mentioned earlier. That's y'all fault still. It's still, the finger still, you know how they say, you point one finger and three point right back at you? Mm-hmm. That's exactly WWE right now with this situation to me. Yeah. Three fingers are pointing right back at him for this reason. One, you didn't do good enough checking the man's body and his brain waves to see, hey man, you got unnormal brain activity going on, or you got an uncontrollable amount of testosterone in your body right now. We need you to take some time off. We're going to have to send you to some doctors and let this kind of, you know, get treated. Okay? That's one. Two, the fact that this man, again, gave his life on the line for you, easily could have died in the ring. Oh, yeah. Literally. Oh, yeah. Because based off of going back to this CTE discussion that Christopher Nowinski explained, the man was only probably a couple of headbutts, hits, or anything away from possibly dying in the ring. Mm Mm-hmm. So that also falls on you. And so I don't get how you're going to say all of a sudden because he did something that David Benoit, props to him, stands by his father and says, that's not my father. That is not him. He's not like that. And I will forever stand on him and I will lift up his legacy and all of this, you know, because at the end of the day, People have to put themselves in the in the shoes of 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 David Benoit or 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 you know Chris. If you are if that's your father, you're not gonna tell me. Despite the rest of the world doing what they're doing, you're not gonna tell me that you're gonna blame him versus when you find out oh his brain waves weren't really a hundred percent anyway. You look at what the man does for a living, and. Clearly, he wasn't in his right mind and doing what he did. You're not. You're not gonna find. I mean, no one would ever try to make excuses for this man. There's, there's no doubt that what he did was wrong, but you can't put all of that on him, because he clearly seemed to be like a mentally stable kind of guy. Yeah. But when certain things are in your body and your brain waves ain't responding right because of what you've been through in the ring so many times out the year. There's no off-season in pro wrestling, guys. Uh-uh. It's a 365-day-a-year job. They on the road at least 350 days out of that year. So how you going to tell me that's to no fault of WWE? If anything, you would think they would have learned their lesson from that situation and said, you know what? Maybe we should make a bit of an off-season for our talent so they don't have to go through all of this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Shoot, you know, you could even uh, uh, 
like with Raw being three hours, you could reduce the the time and mm-hmm. lower it, um, alternate it week by week, where some talent is here this week, some talent is there that week, and that gives guys that are trying to come up mm-hmm. some some TV some TV time, you know, um, and give you uh, different rivalries and stuff like that. I think it would make it a little more interesting if you did that instead of putting out the same guys out every day, every week, you know, every show being the same repetitive thing until a pay-per-view and then you alternate uh, alter the storyline of the pay-per-view. You know, I th- I think they could do some uh some uh something to to change this whole thing, but mm-hmm. WWE is responsible for these deaths mm-hmm. most yeah. definitely. Yeah. They are uh, most the- definitely whether it was see and you know what honestly mm-hmm. they're lucky that it that it happened this way instead of Chris being in the ring and snapping in the ring. Yeah. Agreed. Cuz what if what if he was in a last man standing match? No holds barred type of match where where weapons you can easily use whatever you have around you. Yeah. You know, God forbid he was in the ring and 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 took someone's head off doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I guess in a way they are lucky that it happened this way, but I don't know. Uh WWE is responsible for the whole thing. Yeah, man. And you know, it's funny you say that cuz even with a scenario painted like that, that's the type of stuff I'm saying that doesn't make sense here. Because there has to be an invisible party in there somewhere, which is why I tie that to Kevin Sullivan because there's history there. And I know he has ties with WWE because he's a booker. So to me, I could see why, uh, you know, shout out to Sir Wilkins of the Jobateers podcast. I believe he's the one that made that that belief uh, is that he, he, he still believes that Kevin Sullivan is the reason behind the murders and not Chris Benoit. They feel like he's the one that did all of this. And it, it, it could be very much true. You never really know. I mean, did he go in depth with that? I believe he did, but I don't think he went too, too in depth. It's kind of one of those things you have to research a little bit and look at, because if you, I will say that documentary did help the case because there were a lot of different reports going on at the time of when this death happened. Mm-hmm. One minute it was this, and then another minute it was that, and before you know it, it sounded like a, a double homicide, suicide kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So one could argue and say, hmm, you know, well, details in media, you know, they say media lies a lot of times, and when you get different details, there's just no telling what happened. I mean, the way WWE wiped their hands of this so cleanly, you can make a case that there was definitely an inside job there somewhere. You can. Seeing as how we weren't there, mm-hmm. and a lot of times with suicides and homicides, yes, there are cases where that actually was the case. But opt- autopsies can lie, if I'm not mistaken. Or you can plant them a certain type of way to make it seem like that was actually what happened. You know? So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. If... Hmm. 
my my only reason for not being able to fully buy into that theory is the fact that he um his DNA would be present in the house. Was there any type of report? It would be, you would think. But but you know, we've seen we've seen some of those murder movies where if you're smooth enough and you got enough uh, enough pull, if you will, mm-hmm. you might be able to get away with some things and really make it look like that wasn't really what it was, you know. But w- okay, so wouldn't there be even even with let's say he was able to dress up a certain way to where no hair follicles, skin follicles, uh, skin cells, or whatever mm-hmm. fell anywhere? Wouldn't there be signs of a struggle outside of the spots where? Nancy and Daniel were were killed. Now that because there was there was no struggle where where Chris was. Now that's true. There was no struggle there, and it does take a lot to do what he did in the case of that weight set. So I could see definitely your point on that. I'm probably unless playing... unless you're saying that he, that Kevin killed Nancy and Daniel uh-huh. left. And then Chris came in and was just and saw it, and then that was just it. That that could be a case that's possibly made, uh, given that there was a weapon underneath. Because you know, we saw that Benoit didn't really you know murder him uh, mm-hmm. with with that weapon. Yeah, what was what was the knife about? That that that's what that did throw me off. You see what it I mean? To be, that did seem to be random. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why it doesn't all add up. Like, even when you look at that documentary, it still doesn't quite add up even now because it's like, well, why was there a weapon under Daniel's bed and he didn't even do anything with that weapon? Something doesn't seem right there. You know what I mean? Um, and I was also thrown off with the whole Bible thing of... You know, putting the Bibles next to the bodies. Yeah, I'm like, hmm. Now, why would Chris do such a thing? That doesn't sound logical, especially if they mention the fact that Chris wasn't really a, a religious person to begin with. Yet, I know he had some influence on on it now, thanks to Eddie. But with Eddie being being gone, that didn't seem to inspire him in that. So why would he suddenly have the Bible to do such a thing? I don't. Well, they did say that he had the Bible, the Bible that Eddie gave him. Mm-hmm. He carried that with him everywhere. Now that's true. They did mention that, but that was more of a you know. Did he really read it? Was the thing? They never really went into detail about that. It's more, you know. That's why I always. That's why I was saying to myself as a believer, it's almost as if. It wasn't necessarily God he was gravita- gravitated to, but more so, I guess, the fact that the the God in Eddie, or you know how to usually, generally, with 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 being spiritual, generally, you know, you operate as a you know a vessel, you know, someone that kind of just is like, hey, this is what I believe in, and I think it'll help you because it definitely helped me, and I'm a witness to it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so. Clearly, for him to develop a relationship with Benoit and allow him to open up more to Eddie and things of that nature. And then 
Eddie's like, hey, man, here's a Bible for you, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking this is going to help you with your journey. Trust me. And him keeping it is kind of more like on a memorabilia kind of feel like, oh, man, he gave me something that's that really means a lot to him. And because it means a lot to him, it means a lot to me, you know, probably not yeah. grasping to the fact of this is something I really need to help me with life in general, you know, like, but then again, when you think about CTE anyway, can a Bible even really help you? Because if your brain waves are messed up, can that really help you at that point? That's why I say stuff like that kind of doesn't make sense because they're saying, oh, well, you know, he was obviously smart enough to know what he was doing based off leaving Bibles. Well, was he? You sure? I don't know. Yeah. Can we really say that? You know, and that's why some of that is kind of open discussion for did he really do it? Who knows? You know, um, at the end of the day, the only real person that knows is God himself at this point. And I'm just saying, if you see Chris Benoit in Wrestler's Heaven, then clearly you know the truth. You know, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, if, if, you, if, you, if you go. See, I, I, I think... See, I, I grew up in church, too. Mm -hmm. And the thing that always threw me off was, you know, people saying that um, um, when you commit suicide, you're automatically going to hell. Ah, yes. I see where you're going with this. And to me, the thing about that is you can say that mm -hmm. on the outside, mm -hmm. but if you've never dealt with depression mm -hmm. and suicidal thoughts mm -hmm. it it's it's not the same it's it's not someone thinking in their right mind i had a friend that committed suicide mm -hmm. when i was god i had to be 19 mm -hmm. um and uh 18 19 and she committed suicide I still don't know the reason why but i know she was deeply depressed mm. and for years i was i was pissed with her mm -hmm. i was wondering why why would she do this mm -hmm. until i went through that mm. i went through i battled depression for a few years mm -hmm. um and i i've had suicidal thoughts maybe three times um, it's you're not in your right mind when you, when you're thinking like that. Yeah. And you know to to from a religious perspective to 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 say that someone is automatically going to go to hell mm -hmm. for something like that. Well, they're not in their right mind. So you know when you add context to it, mm -hmm. you know I don't know that 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 can be said. Um, I don't, I really, I actually don't believe it because, um, I think in those moments, that's something that, that, um, is so dark, mm -hmm. you can't see anything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're, you're in this deep fog. So I think that's why, um, outside of being a fan of his, mm -hmm. I, I have so much compassion for Chris Benoit, mm -hmm. you know, because I only went through it um, 
you know, to a certain extent. Like, I didn't actually do it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, he actually went through it. My friend, Danielle, she actually went through it. Yeah. Um, so, it, it's like, it's hard to to um, to say what people are, are you know, feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, or to say what their, what their final judgment is. We don't know what that is. Yeah. We don't, we don't. Uh, uh, Chris, Chris was, you saw the, the, the brain scans that they had, um, on that, oh, yeah. th- that report, you know, um, at 40 years old to have so much brain damage mm-hmm. that it can alter your, your, your characteristics. It can alter who you are as a person, mm-hmm. um, your mannerisms, everything, your, 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 your reasoning, mm-hmm. uh, your judgment. Uh, for for it to be able to alter so much within you, to the point that it it, it uh, uh, causes you to um, to do such things like that, mm-hmm. I, I I I can't. That wasn't Chris. Like when 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 David said, yeah, that wasn't his dad. And and I truly understand that because that's not who you are. It's it's something that you're you're experiencing. It's something that you're going through. Yeah. But it's not who you are, and I think that's part of the reason why I just I can't I can't demonize the man. Yeah, I can't do it. You know, some people feel how they feel. I get it. I understand it. That was a seven, eight year old kid. Yeah, innocent in all of this. Even with Nancy and Chris having their um, uh, whatever issues they had going on. Yeah. Um. He was still an innocent kid, so I I get it, I understand it, you know. But I'm I, that's why it's so hard for me to to understand why Vince was so willing to turn his back on Chris and his family. Yeah. Because as a fan, someone I I never even met uh, met Chris, you know. Mm-hmm. But I still feel that loyalty and that 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 need to stand by his side, you know, and, 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 and defend him on it, you know, not, not on the action, but the, the, the reasoning behind it, you know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's all I have to say about that part, but. Yeah, I can agree. I mean, those, those are good points, uh, made on that, on that end and perspective. And, and I mean, like, you're right, biblically, it doesn't really completely say, what happens to a person when they commit suicide or not? Like, you know, it doesn't necessarily say it completely condemns you to hell per se, but it's one of those things, again, it just falls back to the the only true person that knows what happened in that event is God himself. So it's kind of like a lot of us who want to know, you probably won't really know until you get to the afterlife. I mean, that's pretty much the best way to kind of know it, I guess, in a way, but you know, let's 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 kind of transition and let's let's talk about let's let's go back to this and let's talk about the main issue. What it seems because in part two, going back to what we just talked about with Benoit and how that wasn't him. Let's talk about CTE. Mm-hmm. And as we can see, not just in pro wrestling but football, um, 
not so much basketball, but one would say, you know, if you hit the if you hit the hardwood hard enough, then yeah, there's some concussion involved in that as well. But for the most part, football and you know, maybe hockey, maybe more so football more more than anything. Football and definitely pro wrestling seem to be the main two that involve a lot of CTE and maybe even the UFC. One could even say the UFC as well. Oh, and boxing. We can't forget boxing because there's definitely well, that in boxing. They do have concussions, but I, I, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure that I, I want to say there's CTE involved fully. Mm-hmm. Um, with with well, mainly with boxing because you're you're hitting with with gloves. Mm-hmm. Um, MMA probably because you hit with knees, elbows, feet, um, all those things. Mm-hmm. But the shots that they take, you know, depending on on your um, level of expertise and 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 time in the sport, uh-huh. they're. They're fighting what maybe two times a year. That is true. They do fight very uh, less dates versus a pro wrestler who's doing this again pretty much the entire year for the most part. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and there's a big difference in that. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, and 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 in the case of NFL players, yeah, it's 16 weeks, but. That's a lot of time. Shoot, and that's Before if you that... don't get to, the, get to the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely that. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine how many Kansas City Chiefs players probably have some serious CTE going on right about now? It's 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 probably a thing right now. I, I... Well, I think in today's game, it might be less because of the fact that when this whole thing came out about CTE, mm-hmm. that was probably what maybe about 12 13 years ago i i know the discussion really got started with chris benoit okay like on a national it did i do stage i do remember that it did it it definitely got started with him um but but also junior seau um his his situation yeah situation you know that was how long ago was that that was about 10 years ago right yeah sounds about like 10 maybe a little under 10 yeah, he's been gone for a little while. Um, but those those were the two uh, stories that that I remember like really sparking the CTE conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to you have to understand, like you know, I think to in today's uh, uh time, mm-hmm. because the conversation is so um much more accepted in terms of. Uh, understanding what goes into these sports mm-hmm. um i think today's football players and 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 younger mm-hmm. um probably have a less likely uh chance to get it mm-hmm. because of the protocols that are being put into place for, for um younger players uh to the pro level right um i I'm not saying that they still can't get it, mm-hmm. but I think that I think that the impact or the hits that they take are less yeah. because of of them changing the way you tackle, um, because of the technology that's going into the helmets, um, 
different things like that. I think that the the likelihood of someone getting it moving forward is probably less, but the ones that have it, we still don't know. That's because true. that's something that's something you can't diagnose until someone's dead. Yeah, and that's the crazy part about that CTE uh, disease, man, because with today's pro wrestlers, I can say just about the same thing as what you just said with NFL players, because today's pro wrestler, um, well, specifically ones in WWE, and one would say to some degree AEW as well, uh, they're trying to be a little more edgy, but yet... Uh, from what taking I, some shots. Yeah, from what I've seen, they, they <laughs> even they still try to protect their talent as much as possible so they mm-hmm. you know uh but you can tell uh now the indies totally different story in the indies it's yeah. it's all fair game you, you know there's so many different wrestling styles there's a wrestling style out there called death match where you literally are just killing yourself completely literally with with things and people are into it uh but in WWE and like I said to some degree AEW today's wrestling talent they, when it comes to chair shots and things like that, a lot of that's straight to the back or mm-hmm. to the gut or, you know, something along those lines. You saw where Chris Jericho literally highlighted that back in the yeah. day. To those of you out there listening who try to call wrestling the F word, yeah, yeah. <laughs> watch the documentary and, lot, and watch what Chris Jericho just said. Taking yeah. a shot, a chair shot, to the head was a badge of honor, meaning you tensed up and you literally ate a chair shot, a real steel chair shot to your Mm -hmm. dome. And yes, that hurt. Okay. (laughs) So, and probably the one of the most uh, memorable ones for me was one that they actually showed in the documentary. You you remember when when JBL and Eddie Guerrero? Oh yeah. Um, were fighting. Yeah. And JBL turned around and slapped the hell. Yeah. Out of Eddie. Whew, boy, yeah, that was oh, that was brutal. I couldn't even see. I don't remember. Cause I know back then and in, in that match they were still um cutting themselves. Oh yeah. But I don't even know if he had the opportunity to cut himself in that instance probably not because i mean even with some of those sometimes sometimes uh blading as they call it that that's a tricky thing because back then when they were really taking those shots to the head you could argue that nah that chair probably probably cut them (laughs) yeah yeah you you didn't have to blade yourself from it see it's one thing like if it were say a kendo sticks or Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I'm trying to trash cans, uh, steel steps, steel steps. Yeah, you know, like stuff like that. Yeah. You know, then, you know, maybe even like some uh, some sugar glass. If somebody took some, like a bottle and they, you know, mm-hmm. broke it against your head, you know, with sugar glass or whatever, you you could argue at that point, like, okay, they probably bladed a little bit just to bleed. Ric Flair was king of that. Uh, oh, so yeah. I mean, you could argue that. But with chair shots, I mean, you saw a lot of them shots, man. It made it took me back seeing the ones like yeah. Bubba Ray Dudley and like some of them yes. taking the ones they. Devon. I was like, yeah, nah, you can't fake that, buddy. That's that's yeah. That's, and Jeff put his 
whole being into that shot to Brock Lesnar. Yeah, he did. He had to. He, <laughs> he had to. Shoot, you would too back then if you oh. had a guy like that in there. Man, <laughs> let me tell you something right now. If I see Brock Lesnar in person and he's coming at me, yeah. 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 And, that, and that was young Brock Lesnar at that. Yeah, so you, yeah. You, know, you go, what? I get to swing a hill? Oh, heck yeah, uh-huh. it's on. You know, yep. like, and you saw, even he barely could stand up from that. Like, he was just kind of yeah. like, whoa, hold up. Give me a minute. <laughs> Give me a minute. I got to get adjusted. So that's why I'm saying, like, you know, and this that's why I'm such a candidate of, of, of pro wrestling the way I am. You know, like, I tell people, I'm like, there's a difference. Fake is what you see in Hollywood, okay? Green screens, you know, special effects, you know, that kind of stuff. In the world of wrestling, it's, the F word is highly offensive. It's highly offensive, not just to a fan, but to an actual person in the ring. It's highly offensive because, trust you me, the pain they take is very, very real. And, you know, some stuff may be a little gimmicked here and there. Sometimes there are, like, quote-unquote gimmick tables. Well, no, I'll put it this way. The ladders, when you see those ladders break in half sometimes, that's a gimmick ladder, chances are. You know what I mean? Oh, most definitely. No human body's literally going to break a ladder in half and survive. I'm sorry. Not going to happen. So you know that that's kind of gimmick. Some cases with some tables, some of them are gimmick. More so probably for the women because they're not as heavy as the men are. So if you see a woman's tables match and a woman goes through it, chances are they had to gimmick the table a little bit so her her more frail body can go through that. But trust you me, you, you them days you saw Bubba Ray take a woman or take somebody and slam powerbomb them through a table, oh, trust you me. You see how heavy Bubba is? There is no gimmick in that, buddy. You are definitely going to break that thing in half. You know, so... It, it it it's it 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 all varies, man. But that's that 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 was a perfect example last night. I'm I'm so happy that Jericho was able to explain that that was a badge of honor back in the day to them. Yeah, it was it was it was something. And how they it, tensed up. Yeah, you know, to take that shot. But it, it it leads you to just wonder, man, how much are they gonna pay for that? You know, like. Props, oh, they're gonna pay heavily. You know, because props to Jericho. Now, I mean, the man's already fifty and he's still going, but. Mm-hmm. Who's to say in the next ten to fifteen years that won't come back to haunt him? You know what I mean? Oh, you know who I think is done? Who's that? Uh, uh, mankind. Mick Foley is done. Oh yeah, that man can barely walk as it is to this day. Uh, How old is he? Like sixty? He's close to it. He's he's pushing it. I I don't think he's hit the sixty mark just yet, but he's pushing it. He's getting pretty close to it. Uh, yeah. so yeah, he, he, he can bear from what I understand and what I hear about that man, he can barely walk as it is. Yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, shout out to the new day, um, because their podcast, they had an episode where they were talking about, uh, how they were like, you know, it, it, they, they were talking about a lot of the veterans backstage and how, you know, like a Kevin Nash, a Scott Hall, or just some of those guys like that, when they come back there, how you see them kind of walking very gimply and funnily, you know, like they, they, they're barely able to stand in a way, kind of arched over with the back a little bit. And mm-hmm. just from all the years of punishment that they've taken and, and, and Kofi and them were just sitting there saying, man, wow, you know, like, it's like, man, is this something we have to look forward to in the next 10 to 20 years when we get to that age, you know? 
And they were like, mm-hmm. you know, they were like, hey, it's scary to think about. But they were like, but hey, at the end of the day, they love what they do. They love it. And yeah, yeah, it, it matters to a degree. But it is some of those things where you think about like, you know, man, is, 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 it, is it worth you know, gimping and barely being able to stand when you're in your 60s and 70s and 80s, you know, being able to do what you love to do in your 20s, 30s and, you know, 40s even. Yeah. You know, those those are just kind of... Let me ask you this. Okay. Did, um, is, is there like any report about Dean Malenko having Parkinson's? You know, you I saw in this, up. he was shaking a lot. He was. I'm going to have to look up Dean Malenko and see what he's been battling because if he if he doesn't have it, he may be showing signs of it. And it may be, yeah. you know, because given, I mean, again, he when he retired, he kind of retired real low key, um, I noticed, in his, in his career because he, his WWE run wasn't as good as his... Uh, WCW days, you know, right. The only memorable thing I remember about him in WWE was when he kept trying to date Lita and he kept trying to take her on a date. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that was all I really remembered from his run. And for the most part, you know, he retired very off the record. So to this day, it could be catching up with him what he's been through over the years. Um, but if he has it, I'm going to have to look it up and see. Uh, and if it's not saying anything about him having it, then chances are he may be showing signs of that. Uh, you know, cause again, with these wrestlers, man, you just you never really know what they go through until you start to slowly see it. Yeah. You're like, man, have they been through hell? What is going on? And they're like, yeah, they have been through hell. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. and, and, and that's the, you know, there are some wrestlers out there, God bless them, like Molly Holly, they, they, she's walked away without any injuries whatsoever in her career. So you got wrestlers out there who get blessed and they don't, Jeff Hardy at one point in time until recently, he went through most of his life doing all the stuff he did dangerously. Mm-hmm. He went through most of his life without any injuries, but because he's still such a natural daredevil, in and out the ring. He actually mm-hmm. has dealt with injuries because he broke his leg in a motocross accident. He, you know, he's he's injured himself more now than he ever did in his earlier days. And he la- he makes a joke about that because he actually was saying, you know, how his brother now, earlier in his career, was dealing with injuries. And yeah. now he's not dealing with injuries. And Jeff is dealing with the injuries while Jeff was the one that was not dealing with injuries and you know, so it's it's funny how that kind of reverses out like that, but um, yeah, man, I, my I'm gonna tell you my fear right now, when I think about that CTE, you know, side of that of that documentary, automatically, I don't know if you had the same thought, bro, but I automatically thought about Daniel Bryan. Oh, Be- no, I didn't. I thought about him so hard because when. Uh, I wasn't sure if he was a doctor or a lawyer, whoever the guy was that talked about how that flying headbutt and what it does to you after doing it for so many times. He was talking about, oh yeah, you know, Harley Race did it, and he ended up, uh, I believe he said, in a paralyzed, a 
think he was paralyzed. His spine was yes, definitely spine. Hurting. Yes, his spine. Yeah. It affected his spine. There we go. It affected his spine. Dynamite Kid did it, who Benoit idolized. He did it, and he's the one that ended up in a wheelchair. And mm-hmm. Benoit does it, and he's dead. Yeah. Daniel Bryan, if anything happens to him within the next 5, 10, 15 years... I will definitely blame it on CTE and not him because, A, he is a very great man in real life, very, very great guy, and is about to be a father of two at this point now. Mm -hmm. So one would say, okay, he supposedly had retired because it was concussions. WWE probably thought about since learning their lesson from Benoit, Oh, no, you're retired. That's it. Some fans think that his retirement was what we call a work, which means, oh, it was just led on to you guys to believe that he was retired. He wasn't really retired the whole time. That was just written off. People seriously think that? Oh, yeah. There are some wrestling fans, not all of them, but some wrestling fans really feel like his, his retirement and the whole concussion thing was a work. They feel like he was never really, like he could have, even back then, he still could have went in the ring and did Plenty of matches, but he just chose to be written off screen for a while and then came back. He was gone for like two years, right? Yeah, it was it was a couple of years. He was gone for a little minute. I don't believe that. I really think it was the case because uh, the emotion he I showed. I thought it was the neck. It, well, it no, concussions definitely played a part in what he was dealing with. It de- oh, man. Edge, Edge is the one that is dealing with the neck situation, which he just came back. And Paige, people are, you know, kind of rumoring, saying that she could possibly be back because she retired forcefully because of a neck injury that could have led to her being paralyzed and or dead. So it's kind of one of those things where, again, ironically, when you look at Chris Benoit, by the way, this this also shows WWE still hasn't learned their lesson because... You've allowed Daniel Bryan to come back. You just allowed Edge to come back. And I get Mm -hmm. it because these guys want to come back. They miss the action. And then us, the fans, we're also to blame because sometimes we we sit there and we're like, man, one more match. You know, we chant one more match. Or, man, we would love to see you in the ring against so-and-so. And And then we put it in their heads. And then secretly they're just like, man, I want to come back. And then they go to doctors and they find a way to get cleared. And then when they do, you know, all of a sudden they're ready to go. They get and you have these dream matches. And then, you know, who's to say? Because one thing about Edge is who's to say? I mean, I'm crossing my fingers, dotting my T's. Guys, who's to say that his match with Randy Orton doesn't cause it to be his last? You know what I mean? Like, we don't know this yet. Yes, he came back for the Royal Rumble and he looked good, but there's a difference between a Royal Rumble and an actual one-on-one match. So trust you me, who's to say, especially because it's a last man standing match at that, who is to say, (laughs) the way Randy Orton wrestles, who is to say, I'm sure he'll be careful with Edge because they are good friends, but still, who is to say one false thing happens and it causes Edge to, to, dare I say, be completely career-ended at this point, or dare I say dead. God forbid. Just saying. Those are the type of things we have to take into consideration. So wrestling fans, I get it. 
it's good to see dream matches, but we also got to be held accountable for if a wrestler is forcefully retired or whatever, we got to be like, hey, man, stay. You know what I mean? Like, because as a wrestler, you can get addicted to the limelight and want to keep mm-hmm. coming back. Ric Flair is the perfect example of that, people. Oh, my God. We saw, How many times has he retired? Exactly. We saw his special, y'all. We saw where he couldn't step away from it. Even now, yeah. he still kind of can't step away from it. You know, I mean, he's, you know, he's still, he's not wrestling anymore, obviously, because he can't, but he's still going to find a way to, you know, step into the spotlight a little bit and give you some woos and, you know, do a little promo, like a Ric Flair style promo. So, I mean, I don't know, y'all. It's it, it just, it, Daniel Bryan was one main concern to me. And dare I say, if Paige comes back, she'll be another concern for me. Just WWE, I feel like it's desperate sometimes. And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. So let me ask you this: Do you think that uh, that this uh, two-part piece mm-hmm. can hurt WWE? Man, I think it can to some degree, but it depends because a lot of people don't really know about Dark Side of the Ring. Believe it or not, I think if more eyes get a hold of Viceland, because a lot of people don't really know about Viceland, to be honest. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know about that network. There are certain people who do. Like I said, wrestling fans will definitely know about Dark Side of the Ring because they're wrestling fans. But WWE has a lot of casual fans, too, or a lot of mainstream fans that came from things like Total Divas and, and some of these other little mainstream-like TV shows that they have. So yeah, if they... Stumble across it on YouTube or something. Yeah, it's possible. I wouldn't be surprised if WWE tries to sue Viceland for producing and exposing what they did. But I don't see how they would win that lawsuit. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't see how they would win that, but it's not to say they wouldn't try. Uh, yeah, uh, it definitely didn't do them any favors. That's for sure. No. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's it's a good question, and we'll just have to wait and see because this did just come out. So, to be completely honest, we'll probably know this within the next few weeks. Now, where where it may help them though is because of what's going on with this pandemic. Though, that might be yeah. a, of a distraction to kind of make people forget in a way, or not even think to go look it up. So, yeah, you know, they might have caught a break on this one. Maybe. Maybe. But we'll have to play it out week by week and see. We'll have to see. Yeah. Um, I know, man. I know. It's, it's, but overall, man, this, this was a phenomenal series. And I just got probably one more thing for us to cover before we pretty much call this an episode. Um, I got to give my boy Jericho the goat, man. I I got to give him complete, complete praise because this made my respect go up for him that much more than it already is. Talk about oh, yeah. how Jericho is the the middleman and how he literally bridged the gap between Nicole and David Benoit to form relationship and kind of solidify bringing some form of peace of what happened, like how they can just soak in the moment together enjoy wrestling again together kind of like how jericho said when he said you know 
We ain't mentioned the fact that, you know, Benoit's wife, you know, lives on through Nikki, you know, and how, you know, Benoit is living through David in a way. And it's just like, hey, you know, they, they, it's like they're at peace in a way, kind of just, yeah. you know, talk about what you felt when you saw that as that final conclusion of the episode. Um, It was good to see that they uh, reunited. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, uh, interested in seeing, uh, if, if David decides to join AEW, cause isn't there, hasn't there been discussions of him doing that? Um, yes. To my understanding, he's been training to wrestle and, uh, I do believe cause we won't see him in WWE. That's pretty, apparent. Oh, no. I mean, he already said F them. Uh, they already clearly turned their backs and completely disacknowledged him, which again still is not fair to him at all. Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, what I really find interesting is I don't know why they couldn't put him in WWE because of the fact that let's go to Tamina for a second. Tamina is the oh, daughter yeah. of Jimmy Snooker, and Jimmy Snooker mm-hmm. had a very controversial situation with the murder on his hands and when she was yeah. in WWE for a while she was Tamina Snooker. After a while, after that stuff came out, they cut the last name of Snooker from her and they literally just called her Tamina and still to this day just call her Tamina. So, yeah. if you can do that with Tamina, why the heck couldn't you just do that with David Benoit? You don't have to call him David Benoit. You could just say David or the Crippler. I don't know. You could have did anything that wouldn't have referenced the fact that he's, even though he looks like his dad, you still yeah. couldn't, you know, that would have been for wrestling fans to just put together and be like, oh, okay, we know who you are. You know, we ain't going to be mad at you because you didn't do what your dad did. But still, good to WWE. They got you in WWE. You're following your father's footsteps. Just don't do what he did and we're good. Okay? You could have did that. But no, you didn't. I don't- I don't want to see him in WWE. Me, I don't, I don't. I don't think WWE deserves to have him on there. I agree. I, I totally agree. They don't. They don't. Uh, and 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 if David is any type of um, um, wrestler, the way the, that that Chris was, like stylistically, um, he'll have one hell of a career. It, it'll it'll be really good. I I. I would be I would be intrigued to see if he would carry on that moniker. He definitely would. Uh from what I see on his Instagram, he very highly uh reposts a lot of his dad's matches and things of that nature and moments and stuff like that. So I could see him emulating. I believe to my understanding, Chris Jericho kind of took him under his wing and uh so he's training him and Knowing Chavo, because he already mentioned, like, that was the funny part was when they were just like, so who from WWE has kept contact with you? And he's just like, Chavo, Chris Jericho, and I think he said one other name, and he was like, that was it. And I was just like, wow. Wow. Now, clearly, clearly, Natalia, obviously, is in cahoots with him because they have that Canadian connection. Obviously, 
she is someone from WWE presently who is pretty cool with him. So I, I'm going to guess there's some current talents that he, you know, does associate with a little bit. Uh, but as far as that time period, though, you know, respect to Chavo, respect to Jericho. I mean, I know how you personally feel about Chavo, but I will yeah. give this man respect <laughs> on the fact that, hey, at least, you know, because, hey, he could have washed hands of it, too. If he wanted to, mm-hmm. he could have. He knew, mm-hmm. you know, but the fact is, the fact he, I guess in knowing the connection that his Uncle Eddie had with Chris Benoit, he feels like he owes that to David, you know what I mean? To be what Eddie was to his father, to him, you know, in a way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So personally, I feel like he'll be good because he's got Chavo and he's got, Jericho. I mean, both of them, I'm pretty sure, will train him and have him, you know, looking right, acting right, wrestling right. And uh, we'll see him in AEW for sure, probably. I think he's already wrestling independent matches, I think. Uh, It may be tough to tell right now because of what's going on, but once things pass over and they start to get back to normal, uh, we'll know for sure. But I believe... Uh, he was in some indie matches already, uh, just kind of getting his feet wet. So, yeah, man, we'll, we'll we'll see him in the wrestling ranks real soon. And I just hope to God that A, AEW is still around, and they should be because they're doing very well. So as long as they're still around and they're still good, doing their own thing, not trying to compete with WWE, he's going to be one of their biggest stars. I guarantee it. It's, it's a matter of time. So... That would be interesting. It would be. And uh, so, folks, that being said, if you are listening right now, be sure to leave a rating. Tell us your thoughts and opinions. We would love to hear what you have to say. Uh, On the Instagram, I'm definitely going to start doing Q&As with you guys, and we're going to start doing them on the show live. So I'm going to just post up some random questions and get you guys' answers, and I'm going to make sure I read those answers on the next episode when we get there. You know, switching it up a little bit for you guys, man. Switching it up. Uh, But, Brother Derek, by all means, is there any final remarks that you have for the people? Uh, uh, No. No. Um, Outside of just shame on you, WWE. (laughs) That just, that, that really soured me to the to the brand um i i i i would like to see chris get his um get his uh recognition nancy to get her recognition yeah um for what both of them did for the sport yeah um i think if you just if you just leave it at what was done in the ring Mm mm-hmm um he he definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I, I don't know I don't think we'll ever see him in WWE Hall of Fame. Um but he 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 deserves it. I can agree. I mean uh heck Hulk Hogan's in the Hall of Fame and he called uh, yeah. <laughs> a brother the N word. So uh yeah. don't see them taking that away. So, yeah. you know, and don't you There's levels to this though. Oh yeah, there there's definite <laughs> levels to this. And don't you dare Try to tell me that's not the same highlight. What do you mean? Oh, 
do you really want to go there with two brothers on this podcast? Trust you nope. me. Trust you me. Nope. With what and, we've and, been and, through. And you're going to be a little more reserved. I'm not holding back. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> oh, on that note, we are tolling the bell, baby. We are tolling the bell. Ding, ding. That is around to let you guys know it is a wrap. Baby, we're gonna get that sound effect in here for real. I'm gonna get in, I'm gonna make sure I get a ring bell for you guys just to put on ding ding, let y'all know that's the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, buddy, mark my words, it's coming. Yes, sir. On that note, though, ladies and gentlemen, as always, be sure that you like the Life's a Botch podcast on all things Life's a Botch Instagram, Facebook, not really Twitter yet. Maybe I haven't gotten around to that. Don't know if I'll do that or not. Either way, it goes. You already know what it is. Follow your boys. Interact with your boys. Mr. Derek, tell them where they can find you. Uh, really, at OTS Guys. Um, I'm not really active on my personal uh, Instagram. But OTS Guys on on all social media platforms. Um, and uh, Derek underscore OTS on uh, Twitter. All right. Well, you guys heard it here, folks. Until the next time, you already know what the deal is. Peace!